welcome to the Legion podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Legion on FX. I'm Jason. I like saying that. And I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. This is the Legion podcast episode two. Welcome, everybody. Before we get started, I just wanted to ask you guys, which exhibit would you visit in the museum of your own minds? Oh, boy. Uh, probably, I, I think maybe the ancient, the ancient Roman one your past sure i have i'm sure i have some like genetic memories built in we, we we talked about this on the the black mirror podcast i think i would just obsessively go replay it you know like those hot memory stove things where you burn burn your brain on a hot memory stove and you mm-hmm. think about like sometime where you're um you were humiliated or you, you felt like a total asshole i'd like to go back and watch those moments and see am i am i was i really the asshole right mm-hmm. Yeah, or me what's too. Those Eric, our buddy Eric calls those sh- a shame over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where it just kind of changed your energy signature for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that third grade teacher that scolded me for taking two towels out of the bathroom instead of one. Like, you know, was that, is that really worth uh, me thinking about 30, 32 years later? Right. And now, now I never use towels ever since then. That's right. <laughs> I, just, I just wipe them on my, my jeans. Or you can go back to the time when your dad read you the world's angriest boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is, this, is this right here the moment that I was fucked up? <laughs> I think it was called... What was it? The world's angriest boy in the world. (laughs) That is what he said. And I thought that was a joke, but you might be right. Yeah. I freeze framed the cover. Um, Mm. Oh boy. I, I I would love, yeah, I would go back to, to the really traumatic moments and just to, um, I mean, kind of do what they were doing this little like Scientology thing in the, where you relive (laughs) the traumatic moments until they don't affect you anymore. Yeah, I'm glad you're you're we weren't the only ones because I'm like, are they hooking him up to an e meter? Is this like you know? Yeah. Are they, are, are, are next question I'm going to ask is, what is your bank account number? <laughs> exactly. You should know, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd also go back to some really, really. Uh, I would watch the play that I was in in college because we never videotaped that, and I want to see what it looked like from a outsider's perspective anyway let's get into our top three highlights so it's the top three highlights for season one episode two chapter two all these episodes are named chapter whatever which i feel like is sort of uncreative but maybe there's some reason everybody's it. it's the hot thing right now oh, yeah but it's it kind of lame I, i'm with you jason i think you know it doesn't it doesn't make a particular episode stand out in your mind because right. noah holly spent so much creative energy coming up with burden's ass and all the other crazy fargo titles he's like you know mm-hmm. what chapter one chapter two <laughs> yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna read plato's cave again for some kind of choice quote maybe it did sour him on the whole thing it could it could because <laughs> a lot of people obsessed over that stuff too yeah. and mm. maybe gave him the wrong idea so he's like you know what just want the show to stand on its own could be all right who wants to go first number three uh, can we talk about how this this second episode is essentially Empire Strikes Back? Okay. <laughs> the young Jedi begins his training. He uh-huh. sees a vision of his sister being potentially abducted and tormented. Uh, he he fly he flies off and just I'll come back and complete the the training later. And you know, uh, Sid's all like, "Oh, you you must finish your training. You must." And he's like, "Nah, I don't got time for it, Obi Wan." And he's baiting you into a trap, like. I- like, All of it. Like, like honestly, I, I kind of wish in the elevator scene where she's like tempting him with her gloved hands that he was wearing like a, a complete khaki outfit just so the, the con- <laughs> just, just to complete the. But I, I got very strong Empire Strikes Back vibes yeah. off of this. 
Yeah, the first half of Empire, we have to see the confrontation that he's not prepared for next week. Then, yeah, like right. does he is he going to meet the eye in a carbon freezing chamber <laughs> in a in a hair salon, and he's going to go toe to toe? Or is he going to free Linny from her carbon freezing wall or whatever stucco wall? Like, is, is she's not dead; she's just in a suspended hibernation. It does make me look at Yoda and Luke's relationship a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> hold heads we can if you stay (laughs) i ought to right (laughs) on the table a handy is (laughs) there is no try yeah yeah um but that i I just thought that's that was struck me is how similar the structure was Mm -hmm. there's also a little bit of matrix in there Ooh, uh, in, in some of their uh, just the way they delivered lines and this kind of idea of opening your eyes to the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely feeling like Matrix. What if I happening. told you? Also, his therapist's right. glasses, very much Morpheus. Morpheus-esque, just no, mm. no. What are the what are the legs of the glasses called to keep them on your ears? <laughs> sure, the legs. The legs. <laughs> the glasses. He had no legs on his glasses. It's it was legless, just, rimless. He's, uh, a tel- he's a telekinetic. Noseless, yeah. <laughs> and right, he wastes his power keeping his glasses on <laughs> there his face. There you go. Um, oh man, is that, is that like Wolverine? Like that's like Wolverine. His uh, mutant healing factor is famously kept at bay by the adamantium poisoning in his body. Like, <laughs> like if this guy would stop trying to keep his glasses on his face, he could like move the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or at least an X-wing. <laughs> I think, yeah, and you know, we keep coming up with different things to compare the show to or influences and and that sort of feeds into it or at least you could see it that way because it's about this scattered guy who's got all these voices in his head the show has voices in its head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that that's kind of my one of the things that i wanted to talk about is this Mm. sort of examination of his memories uh I'm, i'm actually really liking it it's it's kind of reframing all of the things that we saw in the first episode and didn't understand. Uh, and now they're kind of taking him back through a tour and he, you know, he thought that the drugs were making him see things. He thought he was schizophrenic and that's why he's seeing things. Uh, turns out that a lot of this is the manifestation of his power. Yeah. It must be said that you were 100% right. And I was 100% wrong. He's uh, it, it seems like all of his alleged uh, craziness and we don't use that word here. Right. All this alleged alleged cuckoo kachu uh, is all from his that's mutant powers. Better. That's better. <laughs> makes that's him the, feel. That's the clinical term. Yeah. <laughs> Cookie crap. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It is. But that actually leads me into my point, which is that uh, Melanie's trying to convince him or telling him he's he's not sick and it's all just his power. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Here, uh, the dictionary definition of schizophrenia, it says it's a long-term mental disorder of a type involving a breakdown in the relation between thought, emotion, and behavior, leading to faulty perception, inappropriate actions and feelings, withdrawal from reality and personal relationships into fantasy and delusion, and a sense of mental fragmentation. So we know now that he probably is not at all delusional and all the, all this stuff is just a manifestation of his powers, but it still did cause some of that. So I wouldn't say he's probably clinically schizophrenic, but he's got some problems and same thing with Sid. She, uh, she doesn't really want to touch people now, even with her gloves. And that probably would have never happened if she didn't have this power. But the fact is that she's 
you know, she's got some anxiety. And I think, no, Holly likes playing with that. And I think Melanie is a little bit on the optimistic side, but, uh, it's interesting. I mean, to think about the parallel with actual mental illness, like I think a lot of great art was probably had something to do with manic behavior or psychosis, or even, you know, of course we know hallucinogenics and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so the instinct is to just blunt all of that with drugs. And it's, it's a hard question. I mean, people suffer, but it's also not just necessarily the right thing to consider it something that needs to be tamped down. So I don't know, kind of all over the place with this, but well, I, I think it also like, even though I gave Jim props for predicting correctly what's going on, I also want to push back a little bit and wonder like what you were saying, are we sure we're out of the mental illness woods? Because, you know, as you said, like the trauma from these things happening to him could give him some kind of a clinically diagnosed condition. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I'm pretty... I think he's... You're also right, Jim, that the the yellow-eyed devil or whatever is probably another mutant, perhaps even the eye, uh, that's that's oh. trying to infiltrate mm-hmm. his, his mental defenses in, in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also... That could just be a, a, an out-and-out delusion as well. Maybe. I, I think it, they're doing a lot of stuff to really kind of mess with the notion of... Uh, this guy's power and and just how mentally ill he might be because uh, even down to like the stuff that almost seems like a cruel joke like when he's in this scanning machine right this mri-esque sort of scanning machine and this this carry guy keeps going on and on talking to another carry right well we know that there (laughs) is actually in fact another person over on the other side of the room that that david can't see Uh and this just feels like a cruel joke. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's really hilarious yes. that the show is doing that, but also it's kind of mean. Yeah. yeah and the, but also like the, so the interlude where this, the lights went dark and he was left alone in the MRI machine and then the yellow eyed devil snuggled in the two with him. Mm-hmm. Did that really happen? Did Carrie just like decide to check out and like shut the lights off or did, did David's panic over the anomaly or whatever would disturb and carry trigger him to have what I would, I guess, describe as a mutant fueled mutation fueled psychic break. Right. Or psychotic break Mm -hmm. rather. And the thing with him is he's immensely powerful and he's mentally scattered and he can actually like physically manifest things. So, he right. can change reality around him, which yeah, is really scary. That's true. Yeah. And teleport matter, mm-hmm. and make, apparently erase doors, and you know all uh, kinds of shit. Yeah, he can he can manifest giant volume knobs that, <laughs> that he turns in midair until the singular voice in the room is David Firestein saying, "David, that's right, David, <laughs> find the one voice. Um, you need to contact to my out. lawyer and my mother. You know what?" Screw my lawyer. And yes, we are going to make this joke every episode and until every the very time. end. Yes. Until they change his name from David, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, another thought that I had is I don't have to wait long for my frog smoker mystery to be resolved. We right. now have the blue, fro- the, the, the blue fog frog, mm-hmm. uh, which is apparently uh, seemingly a wasteful way of, of getting high, but <laughs> yeah. it's their way of getting high. Mm-hmm. Just strap a bag to it. Catch yeah. that vapor. Yeah. 
and yeah. and enjoy at your leisure. See, I don't live in California, so I don't know how this all works, Jason. <laughs> but I assume that you just get like a bale of marijuana and you light on fire and you set a fan in front of it and you just <laughs> you know, catch catch what you can, right? That's how that's how you that's how you use drugs that are administered a drop at a time. <laughs> I mean, I think the the um inefficiency of the frog vaporizer is balanced out by how trippy and cool it looks. Yes. So I didn't realize that its eyes lit up until this episode. And I'm not even <laughs> sure that they did light up. I wonder if that's just an effect of the blue fog, you know, like, Maybe. oh, my God, that is that frog's is eyes electric now. <laughs> but they looked over like they were in shock at what it was doing when really it was just that the drugs were ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. They're like, oh, I, I like that whole sequence because it reminded mm -hmm. me a lot of like Aubrey Plaza and him running around trying to sell this this uh, stove that they scammed off some. It reminded me a lot because I'm in the middle of rewatching The Wire. It reminded me a lot of like Bubs and his various scams mm -hmm. where like, you know, he's always like trying to steal copper wire or make off with <laughs> ambulance supplies or, you know, what like uh, is, are we next going to see him uh, telekinetically lever, uh, you know, the the lift the, the the blue vial from a drug dealer like i, th I thought that was pretty funny what does what she call the stove it's the uh the glue or the, the utility utility player player yeah yeah because yeah, because you, you can, can cook things on you can heat you can commit yeah, suicide light things up right that's not yeah that's a great way to convince somebody to take your stove <laughs> <laughs> you want me to kill myself i like that stove though it had the three-prong outlet up the front you know in case you want to do your ironing as well. If you want to plug hmm. in, a, like, why do you why do you need a three prong outlet on a <laughs> stovetop? Dry your hair at the same time. That's a good question. Plug in your your blue fog frog. You know, uh. <laughs> some so many so much utility. We also learned that she finger bangs other girls. Right. Yes. Yep. So she definitely was not jealous. Oh, well, she well, she still. might have been jealous because she had the angle on Sid. <laughs> and then David yeah. came in there. So I, I thought maybe she's jealous of uh, David, but she might have been jealous of Sid. Right. Or she maybe. could just be, you know, willing to do anything to get a stove to trade for blue. Whatever. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Desperation. Okay. Uh, I've got a number two here. Go for it. One that I'm just, one that I'm just going to call time travel class has been canceled. Did anybody else hear that in the background? No, I think I Alan Seppenwall mentioned something about in his review, so I, I don't think you okay. imagined it. <laughs> I mean, maybe this show is driving me uh, insane. That's the substitute word I'll use for crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so time travel class has been canceled. When does this show take place? I know I kind of asked that in the first episode, but this really confused the issue because you look at the therapist's office and this therapy session couldn't have been more than 10 years ago. I think they said uh, six, yeah. I six think. years? Okay. Something like that. So it, it's really confusing because he has a very retro scheme. And then you look at like the stuff that Carrie was operating, the computer equipment. And I can't believe that that's the most efficient way to get your job done is to string together old typewriters and and old tube monitors and all, just all this ancient technology hooked up to this modern looking MRI. Well, but that's kind of matrix logic, right? Mm -hmm. You like to in a stand in for like crazy future tech. You actually go like little steampunk with it to, you know, because it, it future proofs it. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's definitely cool. Like I'm kind of using this as a springboard to talk about the style of the show uh -huh. because 
I actually really like the style a lot, um, mm-hmm, right. especially when he's in that scanner and they're kind of using it as a wipe back and forth between shots. Uh-huh. Uh, that was a really cool effect. Yeah. Oh, no, and, and again, this 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 continues to look top shelf. I was particularly blown away by the lighting in the scene where he thinks he hears her say, I'll protect you. Mm-hmm. Like they go to this, you know, idyllic uh, Glen that's overlooking a lake, I think, and like they they got the magic hour lighting just so, and it's coming through all the vegetation. I thought that was like just unbelievably lovely, lovely. And as you say, mm-hmm. they got they get really creative with the the wipes and transitions, and it's all the show's almost almost Mad Men esque in its deliberateness in spots, yeah, so, yeah, and how you know it, the style, and I really think that the sort of timelessness of it or retro ness of it is not trying to clue us in into the time period, but it's another intentional way that they're trying to just uh, keep things off balance or keep us disoriented. And like I said, it's a good way. Cause you go back or watch the matrix, which was made in 1999 and it still looks the bit like the tech other than the, this cell phone technology, you know, it still looks like it's like retro future. Cool. Or you compare that to like Stargate, which came out you know five years before that, and like you, when you go into the Stargate room and they got all these computers hooked up to it. I remember in the back in the day that seemed like it was fucking NASA, mm-hmm. and yeah. now you look at it and it's like, oh my god, these old ass CRT monitors and all this <laughs> these these clunky things, and no one foresaw touch screen technology, and right. so it might just be a way of just making this uh, you know thirty years from now it's going to look just as retro future cool as it does right. today. It's almost like a fable or something. So what else about the style? Uh, can we talk about the style of not wearing sleeves with your gloves? <laughs> right. Like this is uh, <laughs> something that uh, Ray brought to fashion in The Force Awakens, and I continue to not understand the gloves, the sleeveless tunic with gloves. If if If, if I am concerned about people touching my bare skin, uh-huh. why would I bear my my bicep region like that's prime like when i bump up against someone accidentally 95 percent of time it's in the shoulder bicep area that's where you're whitest (laughs) at the part as a as a human body i I would basically never say this but she's asking for it she's (laughs) asking to swap bodies she's asking to body swap she She is is. she's begging for it she gets close to people too right within arm's reach like what if you just have someone who's used to being all touchy-feely or, or yeah, like a, like a dude's just jogging by in a tank top, and he jostles you. Bam! You just freaky Friday'd him. Yeah, that's not cool. She wants it. <laughs> that's horrible. That's yeah, hor- it's, that's horrible. it is. It is terrible. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, like yeah, like like uh, it's just like in The Walking Dead. I'm always yeah. like, why isn't everyone wearing like leather biker jackets or Carhartt or thick denim? Yeah. Something you right. can't conceivably chew through, but no, they're running around in tank tops and wife beaters and t-shirts, like like dress for the occasion, man. <laughs> that yeah, that absolutely is a comment on style because it's where the style is and the aesthetics are more important than the practicality. Yeah, is it is that a is that uh, I'm assuming that she is a comic book character. Is that a, a a nod to her costume, perhaps? You know what? I mean, I feel like a lot of these characters are analogs, like. Uh, Melanie Bird, the leader of this group, mm-hmm. seems like Professor X to me, and um, very much so. Yeah. This girl seems like Rogue. Uh, her powers kind of close to Rogue, where if Rogue touches anybody, it's involuntary. She takes on their memories and and gets their yep. powers. They don't switch places, but it's similar, right? 
it's yeah, you can definitely squint and see the similarity. <laughs> so there is not a direct one to one, except for perhaps like uh, uh, David himself. Right. He's yeah, he is. But the David in the comics is a teenager. But um, mm. we forgot, to, or I don't know if we forgot, but we didn't mention last episode that Sid Barrett was the name of one of the founders of with Roger Waters. Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yeah. He was one of the founders and he did a lot of acid and had many schizophrenic episodes. Hmm. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Their music is pretty trippy. (laughs) Okay. My turn. Number two. So I really enjoyed the whole concept of the museum of David's mind and how this guy Patonomy can enter the psychic landscape and find memories. And, uh, They did stuff like that in the comics a lot going into the psychic landscape, but it was more trippy. Usually it was like floating eyeballs and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought this was really cool. And some of the more interesting stuff that they explored, I thought was everything with his dad, where he kept going back to that same childhood moment of his dad reading that creepy book, which said to bed, to bed, the mother said, to bed, she said, the angry boy, his face turned red, his face turned red, and with a cry, he chopped her head. No bed, he said, and sticker snack, his mom was dead, 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 which begs the question, did he kill his mother? Uh, Yeah, sick Jabberwocky reference, too, there. Uh, And also, they simultaneously portray his father as a figure that causes him some distress, and yet also a figure who's presi- provided him with a lot of fond memories as well, mm-hmm. with the, specifically the stargazing. Yeah, it, it seems like the only thing we know for sure is that there is a very rocky relationship with either one or both of his parents um, somewhere along the line. Unless, like, here's the thing. I don't know how much of what we're seeing is a true memory. Right. Like Even Patonomy doesn't know. He said, did your father really read you that book? Right. And we also, he noticed there's like, you know, speaking of the matrix, the glitch that mm-hmm. in his, some of his memories where like, it just seems to like hiccup forward, implying that someone is tampering with his memories because he's oh. even hmm. taught ta- ta- it's Tom ta- Ptolemy is his name. Autonomy. Autonomy. Uh, even he is like, this isn't a lapse in memory. You can tell when something's a natural lapse in memory, this is. I don't. I don't think he used the word artificial, but he said something else. So it, it does highly imply that uh, you know his his memories and 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 whatnot are being tampered with, mm-hmm. hmm. or somehow, yeah, not real. What else? And then there was they wanted to take him back to that whole scene in the apartment where he exploded everything. Which also mm-hmm. last episode that really felt like a Matrix moment too, because he's in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden. It seems like he feels like he can control it. The like, epic yeah. table flip. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he did this episode. They just had flashes of it. He didn't either. He seemed uncomfortable with it, but I'm not sure whether he is conscious of what happened and just doesn't want to talk about it. So he's pretending or, or he just can't go there. It seems like at some point he certainly had a recollection of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he did have a memory, whether he's just blocked access to that because it's too traumatic or um, maybe, as Aaron said, like somebody is actively messing with his memory. He clearly he, he doesn't want to go back there or he can't go back there now. But at some point he could like with his therapist. Um, 
Right. And, and like we see a lot of flashbacks in the previous episode where, you know, he he in my mind in the language of cinema is remembering that incident when he's talking to the interrogator. So, well, do right. you think it has something to do with his giant amygdala because that's if if you don't know that's a little gland in your brain that is uh associated with your emotions? Mm-hmm. And like is it you know, some kind of uh, is that a side effect of his mutation, or is it the fact that he's got an overdeveloped emotional state that allows or that, that causes him to blank out or black mm-hmm. out these memories? Could Essentially, be. it's like you know, is it genetic or is it something that someone's doing ex- uh, externally, right, uh, or a combination, or at least a yeah, physicality manifesting itself in his. That's brain. the other thing, like the enlarged amygdala. I'm wondering, is like you know, are we still being too hasty saying that he doesn't have anything clinically wrong with him because mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a uh, you know a physical anomaly yeah. that could easily suggest you know emotionally emotional instability, etc. That could be diagnosable. Uh, I think it's my turn to, to round this up. I want to talk about the other st- science fiction influence, which is Star Trek Two. Introduction to CD Alpha Five eels that I'm I'm assuming are going to be introduced <laughs> into people's ear or nose holes, uh, or perhaps belly buttons, a la the Matrix. So many holes to choose from. So so <laughs> many holes. So many holes yeah, that a, a, a worm or a bug species. can crawl in through a human body. Yep. If, you, if you really think about it, you know, want to squick yourself out. Um, you know, body horror is like one of my kryptonites. And uh, any any theories about what what where they're going with this? What what is the eye going to use uh, with his with his sister? I think the SETI Alpha Five is is good. I would imagine it will be one of the holes up near the brain. So you think he's this is going for like a mind control thing, so that he can you know she he, they're using her as bait, like and not yeah. in like uh, we'll just torture Han Solo and Princess Leia until Luke comes hears their psychic screams and comes running. More like bait, as if we'll we'll take over her mind and make and 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 bend her to our will. So, so I I wonder. This has gotten me on the train of thought. Like, why is the eye there? The eye is presumably there for the interrogation of David, right? Right. And you would think that they would want to have people there whose powers might uh, complement the the thing the the goal that they're trying to achieve that that might be able to achieve that. So, is do is it possible that these worms are somehow linked to his power and that he is able to see mm. memories? Because um, you, you mentioned earlier that maybe he's the yellow-eyed, the demon with mm. the yellow eyes. Uh, I said it because there's, I felt like there's a little bit of facial, I, 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 oh I, I felt like there's a bit of facial resemblance in the, the flabby demon and then the huh. uh, the eye. Um, but I can then again, see this if maybe he's hunting him through his through his memories right, somehow. Right. Uh, and if he can get access to his sister's memories, he would have like some sort of indirect access to David's memories, mm-hmm. maybe be able to, to hunt him down easier. I don't know. Melanie says early on the divisions were created by our government to track and study people like David and Sid and the ones they can't control, they kill. Mm-hmm. So that at least gives a clue if she's right about what they intend to do with him, either control him or kill him. So maybe if they're in the business of controlling, maybe they'll, yeah. they'll do the same thing here. And I, I also got the strong impression that, you know, this amnesia that has fallen over the uh, uh, the mental complex, that's not them just not playing along with the sister. Like, I don't I feel like that uh, they have scrubbed yeah. all all of these people's memories and records, almost like in a men in black fashion. Yeah. Right. 
okay. maybe they all have an eel inside of them. Who knows? Right. Because Why they were hanging out the there. Right. Is there something the with eye? his eye? Does he have a weird eye? I was he does have. To look to, he that. does have that. What what they call that? Monoanchromatic or right? Two different eye colors. Yeah, he's got like a okay. green and a blue eye. But but I I mean I guess that's enough to earn you the nickname. But the eye, right? <laughs> or why they call them eyes? You know, right. crazy eyes. Well, they don't use <laughs> that's that. Already, word. That's already copyrighted. Orange and new black. So <laughs> oh. yeah, it might key into some power that he has, right? Uh, I think we're just learning about a lot of powers. Speaking of which, yeah. my number three here, or my number one, rather, uh, did we see a new power from David? Because there's a moment where he's talking with Sid, and he hears her say something, and it almost made me think that he could read her mind, and I don't know if this is part of his powers, if this is part of like some link they have since they body-swapped, uh, if he's just hearing her in another time or a different distant memory. Didn't Professor X say that he was a telepath and potentially like, right sorry, I, and I, and potentially telekinetic or yeah she or said telekinetic I I don't know if she said telepath but it was mentioned at some point yeah and it seems yeah. like he is right, right. so yeah. I'm wondering if he can read people's minds as well well she denied saying that so there's another mm-hmm. possibility which but is, she had a look on her face which was like I didn't yeah, say it I, but I thought it I think she. She just said no because she was rejecting the whole idea of him getting into her head. That's, that's what I a thought. Weird, that's, that's such a weird thing for uh, people hanging out in a mutant complex to do. <laughs> right. Like, that's something you do if you're a normal. Like, how this is? How can you be in my head? You know, this is not real. But, like, you know, <laughs> no, if, it's, if someone it's, is taking you on a guided tour through your own brain's <laughs> imagery, I feel like, that, right. hey, you know what? We can probably discuss openly the idea of me reading your mind. <laughs> It's an issue in the comics, though, like Jean Grey, pe- some people who in the X-Men who don't know her that well be like, are you in my head right now? Like, they're just kind of yeah. paranoid, you know, about it. Well, I mean, even even if I accepted the truth of someone reading my mind, that would still make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, uh, that's the thing. Like, I feel like the way society, everyone has to be telepaths or no one does because if only like there was – one percent we would hunt those people down and kill them <laughs> because they're they're too close they know but all they, of would, our... they would know you're going to do that and they just <laughs> 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 then we that's where the tinfoil helmets come in oh yeah jim if you could take a tour through the landscape of aaron's mind would you would you go for it oh no way <laughs> no There's, way are, man this 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 man Treats intimacy like a hot stove. He's going to crawl <laughs> I, in my brain. No I bet way. Aaron would love to get in my head, though. That greasy I bastard. I just feel like it would <laughs> be. Love it. it would look like the 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 Cubert board. It's just 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 all these CGI cubes that have things, and they're yeah. all have a hundred locks on them. So it's some squigglies. It wouldn't do some... me. <laughs> yeah. There'd be a, a snake jumping around. There might be some marble madness villains in there too, like you know <laughs> yep. the the evil marble and the acid dissolving puddle, and who knows what. His <laughs> mental defenses would be formidable, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> All right, is it my turn? I think it is. I think so. <clears throat> so we've we've talked about a lot of this, but there were just so many different ways of keeping us disoriented in this episode, and I. You know, last episode, I think we all felt, I hope it gets a little more grounded next time. And I think it did. And Mm -hmm. even so, there's still that disorientation, but I think they found a really good balance. I I actually wanted to ask you guys last week, we were complaining about it, not like 
connecting emotionally enough? Do you think it improved? I think so. I actually, I, I think that Rachel uh, Heller, is that her name? Yeah. Keller? Yeah. Uh, I, I think she has a pretty good character, and I think she's doing a lot to bring some emotional thunder here. Um, that You can see that those two have a connection outside of just the mission. And I think it's, I think that's starting to connect. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's, it's certainly underwritten, but you know, again, they're relying on these, these characters, natural chemistry, which remains pretty, you know, pretty crazy high. And the fact that they're Mm -hmm. likable and they're telling us that, you know, uh, I, I, so I want to check in with you. Like you were questioning whether her affection for him was genuine last episode. I think Jim, Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely got, I got definitely got the episode in this, that she does, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to throw away, throw around loaded terms like love. I'm a guy after all. But like, I feel like that she does love him at this point. And she doesn't yeah. want him to be hurt, doesn't want him to go away and, and wants to get some kind of uh, what they call it, a romance of the mind. Want to keep that going? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I learned something new that I didn't realize last week. Maybe you guys did. But when they met in the mental institution, I thought she already had a connection with uh, Melanie Bird and her people. But this episode, she said that when, yeah, yeah, that when that power exchange or body exchange and flash of power happened, that's what keyed them in. And they thought they were getting David, but they got her. So it made it seem like that was their first encounter with her. So why did they say, why did she say that she came for him? Do we understand that to be that? Well, she, she came for him when he was in the facility being interrogated. Yeah. Right. After the okay. Which, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I kind of assumed that she was talking about like her entire mission stretching back to when they first met. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, like I said, this seems to have, have definitely remapped that that uh, continuity. Which also sort of fits in with Empire Strikes Back because I always thought it was ridiculous that Luke Skywalker was trained in the Force during the same amount of time it took Leia and Han to go to Cloud City and get captured or whatever their hyperdrive is busted man that was a slow boat the <laughs> Bespin, man it took months yeah yeah it was just it was it was no longer the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy it was just a hunk of gunk <laughs> hunk of junk in the galaxy <laughs> so so many ways of keeping us disoriented uh one of my favorites was they introduced this whole thing about the uh, mental museum and him taking him around to different memories. But then they started going into the memories and didn't show them watching. And I wasn't clear if it was just flashbacks or it was still doing this until uh, over halfway through the episode during the whole frog vaporizer scene. All of a sudden uh, you hear, I think it was Melanie say freeze and they're there watching. And then I'm like, I had forgotten about that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess they've been watching all these flashbacks. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a really cool way to do, to do flashbacks. Also the scary demon thing, yellow eyed, whatever was always there on the periphery. And I think my favorite scene of the whole episode was when that therapist, uh, Dr. Poole, he was talking to David about looking at the stars with his dad and that the stars could talk to him. And then he asked, you know, what did they say? And he, all of a sudden things got really tense and the closet door opens with a creak and you hear whispers and devilish demon sounds. And I just thought it was great that they could create that much tension so suddenly. And just because of a closet door opening, mm-hmm. I thought it was really effective. The whole carry carry thing I really liked 
And if you looked up, I did on IMDb, it's C-A-R-Y and K-E-R-R-Y and their and father bu- and son, or father and daughter, which is weird that the father oh. and daughter would have the same. Oh, no. Sh- okay. They I thought the same it was last name coinc- anyway. They did. They did. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they had the loud milk or whatever. I, I just assumed that was another crazy coincidence. There were a bunch of other things, but I'm just continually enjoying not totally being sure what, what's real and what's not. Let me- we saw the carry, the one who's practicing kung fu in the background. Previous episode, do we have any idea of what her powers are? Is she the pyro person, or because somebody somebody set the air on fire, and we know it's not uh, the the right the the, the told 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 me pterodactyl mm-hmm. yeah the memory uh, artist <laughs> yeah uh, Pompey we, we it's not him it's not Sid. Because her powers is swapping powers, right? So, is by process of elimination, she's the the pyromancer or whatever you would call it, the mutant version of that. Could be. Why train so hard if you got fire powers? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be. They all got to learn how to how to fight. Got to keep in shape somewhere. I guess, but that's not going to make the difference in a fight. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but your conditioning might, you know. Maybe. In the fight against diabetes and obesity. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the, the real fight. That's a, that's a fight I'm losing every day. I should go and start hitting <laughs> sticks, man. It is weird. Ptolemy is pronounced Ptolemy, but Patonomy apparently is pronounced Patonomy. That's the way they say it in the show. Um, but I liked the the guy. I thought it, he was a good character. He's a very think? arresting arresting character. He reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of uh, 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 Chiwetel for. Um, mm-hmm. like into his kind of, um, he can play warm, he can play grave and intellectual and he's kind of like got both of those sides. Like right. he kind of felt cold when he was just the memory master walking him through, but, uh, his memories. But then I thought like, you know, when they were sitting there sharing a glass of milk, uh, with the goat on the hill <laughs> doing talk therapy that he seemed like a, a really cool, uh, guy that you'd want to get, maybe not a milk with, but a beer with, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's got a really cool, he's got a, he's got a really nice, nice a presence to him. Solid. Yeah. Solid. His power, you know, they said he remembers being in, in the womb and he remembers everything. And it reminded me of this episode of this American life I saw recently or heard where they talked to people who are like that, that, for some reason they remember everything as if it just happened. And it was, you know, like they don't remember their birth. So I call, bullshit no, on that. no, okay. they don't, they don't remember that that far back, but okay. They, um, <clears throat> talked the didactic, about didactic memory. Is that what they call it? I guess so. I think so photographic so. memory. And it sounded like a blessing and a curse because you don't lose your keys or anything, but you can remember, you know, like it's hard to stay in relationships because, Every transgression is like it just happened, and it's hard not to hold a grudge. Hmm. So I don't know if I'd want that. I would imagine. That does sound like another Black Mirror episode. <laughs> Black Mirror was awesome this season, I thought. I haven't seen season three yet, or oh, I haven't man. seen all of it. I've, I've seen like three of the episodes. The I've last the episode whole... is really good. Oh, Anything man. else on this? Uh, I don't think I have anything. Nope. Did you guys like it? Seemed like yeah. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I totally. did. All right, cool. Let's get into listener feedback. I'll go first. Laura Willie Swink says, doesn't mean I like the episode if I watched it with a big fucking grin the entire time. Yep. Maybe you just have a huge amygdala. 
and it's just out of control grinning. Are you sure the TV was on? Um, so it says more straightforward and grounded than the pilot. And I miss all the great music, but I love getting so many answers like the smoking frog, the mysterious Dr. Pool, and what I had suspected from the last episode that Lenny is a lesbian or bisexual and was a friend of David's from before clockworks. I'm really afraid that we'll find out that David's father was an abusive monster and his memories are trying to cover that up. I hope it won't be that obvious, but it seems to be where the story is going now. Yeah. I was actually wondering if maybe David's father is the demon with yellow eyes because we never see his face and you, you had mentioned, Oh, there are some similarities with the facial structure of the demon and the eye. He's like an inverse yellow bastard from Sin City. He's the father, (laughs) not the son. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to go to Rima Joe. Go for it. Rima Joe. Uh, I'm, Rima Joe. I'm wondering where I can get one of those frogs. <laughs> well, I, I know a guy who knows a guy who blew a frog. <laughs> B-L-U-E. Get your, get your mind out of the gutter. I, I can guarantee there's already one on Etsy. Oh, I yeah. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um. So, yeah. I don't know. I uh, uh, Get over to Etsy. Or get, you got you to gotta fire up the dark net. Carrie, Carrie, the only part of the premiere I can't understand is how David's physical body got out of the hospital. It seems like he and Sydney exchange their minds Freaky Friday style with their powers staying with their physical body. We see David and Sydney's body out of the hospital and hear Sydney and David's body behind the wall. Next thing is David's body is outside with her suitcase. How did that happen? Please explain. Is that, I guess I took that as like that's from his point of view, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think the way her power works is mm-hmm. when she touches somebody, probably the minds switch places, but then mm-hmm. after some amount of time, they the switch body back. switch because she, well, you know, what? they thought they had him in the, in their car and all of a sudden you see her back there and he's sitting at a, a well in her body, he's sitting at a table outside somewhere. And then you hear a voice as his mother saying, um, David, where are you? And that's right when all of a sudden I think something passes in front of the camera and then it's him sitting there. So I think the body. I thought that was, I thought that was a stylistic convention. The actual switching of bodies. Wow. That's, that would be, that would be wild. I mean, it's, it's possible because we know that they are now once again in their correct bodies, right? Yeah, that's, exactly I mean, I thought it was a stylistic happened. thing too, but then I started thinking about it like, well, we know that he left in her body and now he's in his. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, like you said, if they thought, if they thought they had him, it right. wouldn't be her. Right. Unless they're way more incompetent than, than <laughs> we <wanted to> believe. <laughs> way more. Yeah. He looks like a girl, but. Whatever. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks, Carrie and everybody else. Now it's time for news about Legion. I'm just going to read it because there aren't really anything spoilery this time. Nothing spoilery. So, first thing Legion's ratings were actually pretty decent um, on a live plus three basis. So, that means the first night plus people watching it three days later, time shifted. It had 1.8 million adults 18 to 49 and 3.27 million total. So of the 69 new primetime cable drama premieres over the past year, Legion was number three in the 18 to 49 group and number seven in total viewers. That's actually quite a bit 
higher than Fargo, I want to say, at least season one of Fargo. Uh, definitely season two of Fargo. Wow, that's uh, I'm I'm surprised. I thought uh, uh, Fargo would be a bigger draw, but I guess everything ever the pop culture is obsessed with comic books right now. Yeah, yeah. although yeah. I was not even until the uh, until like the two or three weeks ago, I did not know that Legion was an X Men spinoff. So I wonder how many people just tuned in because it's oh, it looks like a trippies, you know, mm-hmm. kind of crazy little thing, right? And maybe there's at least some, you know, benefit to him having proved himself on Fargo. So bringing over a lot of that audience plus another audience. That's yeah, all the stuff. Fargo came back and then yeah. he had all the Comic-Con people coming. <laughs> and I'm both. Um, <laughs> exactly. So cool. All right. Next, Jeremy Harris, who plays Ptonomy, the memory artist, did an interview. Uh, just a couple of things I thought were interesting. They asked him, once you got the role, how are his powers described to you? He says, Noah Hawley said you could think of it as being able to remember everything as something that's really cool and fun, but he wanted me to think about how it can be a burden as well and about how difficult it could be and how challenging and complex to remember every single thing that happened in your life. Not just like I won't ever forget where my keys are, but how it feels to remember traumatic things that may have happened in your life and never forget them. Kind of what I was talking about earlier. Okay, next. So a little bit about Noah Hawley. I'm I'm impressed with him. He's a super busy guy. He's the showrunner of Fargo, which starts up again in April. I actually didn't know the ratings went down in the second season. I'm kind of bummed to hear that. Um, He also will write and executive produce a limited series adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle for FX. Mm -hmm. He will executive produce produced but not right for two more adaptations hellhound on his trail based on the novel and the hot rock also based on a book both for fx Uh, you know executive producing sometimes that doesn't mean anything but anyway he's written five novels the latest of which before the fall was released to critical raves this summer it's a mystery that skewers a fox news like network and that's that's been optioned for a movie by sony and he's writing the screenplay holly and in September 2014, he signed a deal with Universal Pictures to script an untitled project for their classic monster franchise. And he's set to make his feature film directorial debut with Man Alive from a sci-fi spec script by first-time screenwriter Joe Greenberg. So he's got so much on his plate. I don't understand how is that ladder connected. Is that ladder title connected with the classic horror film thing? I, I don't think so. Okay, because I'm like Man Alive. What would that be? Yeah, is that <laughs> sci-fi? what you said yeah it's a, yeah it's, huh. it's it's different i mean he's probably doing like frankenstein or something who knows right well frankenstein could be described as man alive <laughs> yeah that's true he was a dead man now he's alive and then i think this is the last thing yeah so this is a couple excerpts from an interview with dan stevens who plays david from vulture.com they said i understand you spoke with people who live with schizophrenia and doctors who treat it while you were researching the role. What was the most interesting thing you learned from those conversations? He says, one of the fascinating things you learn when you talk to paranoid schizophrenics is they experience a sort of fantasy realm, a realm of the unreal. But to them, all of those realms are quite real. There's a harsh reality to them that most people don't see. And so I was trying to give equal belief slash disbelief to all sorts of different scenarios. So there's a certain scenes where it's very Clearly reality and David should know that, but is not so trusting of that. And there are others which are clearly fantastical and bizarre, and he's taking them quite literally and seriously and everything in between. Mm -hmm. 
And then talking about some conversations with Noah Hawley, he says, we talked about a lot of influences and passions and a lot of those things have poured into Legion. We discovered that we both liked Wes Anderson, which you guys mentioned last time. Ah. We both liked Kubrick, Clockwork Orange, but also Lindsay Anderson's film, If, which was Malcolm Adele's first movie. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. And then last, they asked him, what was the hardest word to do in the American accent? He says, Twizzler. It's one of the first words I have to say in the show, and I was terrified of saying it. Is that because they mispronounce Z as Z? It's, yeah. the, double, it's the double Z. It's like, you know, it's a, the, he can't quite bring it off as a Brit. <laughs> but you don't have to say the letters. You have to say perfect, the word. Perfect American accent. He just kept saying Twiz Z Z Lur. He couldn't get it. Twiz <laughs> Twizzler, twizz, that's Twizzler. the good one. Twizzler. Right. <laughs> All right, guys, that's another one in the books. We're doing pretty good, too. I see we're up in the top ten in the TV section. Oh, yeah. 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 Kicking cool. ass, taking names. <laughs> so if you people would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at legion at ballmove.com. Uh, and you can also find us on the web at facebook.com slash legionpod. And be sure to check out all of our other shows at baldmove.com <laughs> and podcast. And All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for you. listening, everybody. See you next week.